You're listening to Brazen Bookworms, Unrighteous Reading Rebellion, a reformed book snob's journey and musings through all things romance. Some language may not be safe for all ears. Frequent use of sarcasm may occur. Recording in progress. We're all here and super excited to be here. Um, so just going to welcome back everybody who has um, joined us for book club. And uh, this week, the Stalker Sisters are book clubbing. Meet me in the blue. Yay. And I have both because I have to have Amanda knows. So Amanda Johnson, A.M. Johnson is joining us. She's the author of Meeting in the Blue and many, many other of our favorite stories. And I have to have the, is it, can you even see that? Julie will wear magic and put up a beautiful picture of the illustrated cover. And I love the, I have all the illustrated covers for the books I've read by Amanda but I love this cover so much. I had to get the photographic cover too, mm -hmm. because it is, it stunning. is so perfect. It is stunning. And I think, to, I think once you read the book too, it makes a lot of sense of why I picked that photo. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does. I mean, it is, you look at covers and you always say you want the cover to match the story. And I honestly, that is one of the most perfect matches. Like in my head, that's the picture I had. And then when I saw mm -hmm. the cover, I was like, holy crap, that's it. That's like the perfect cover. So mm -hmm. like, see, here we go. I'm already, the squirrels are already active and we're already at play. So <laughs> I love your squirrels. <laughs> the Stalker Sisters are welcoming A.M. Johnson, Amanda Johnson to book club with us today. And we're talking about Meet Me in the Blue, um, which is the most recent uh, book mm -hmm. that Amanda has published um, and got a we're going to do a real quick round robin about um, so how we found you, how we each found you, started mm -hmm. reading you, a first book, uh, and some quotes that we love from this. And then we've got some questions for you, but feel free to jump in anytime you want to, because this is all about you and your books. So first of all, thank <laughs> you so much for being here with us, because mm -hmm. it's it's hard to get people who are busy writers and and have mm -hmm. lives to to come on and, and give up their time. So we're really appreciative of you giving up some time to chat with us. Of course. I'm honored. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was a little late. <laughs> hey, we work on we work on fluid time. I used to call it mm -hmm. homeschool Perfect. standard time because homeschoolers are never ever ever on time. If I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at twelve fifteen, I better leave my house at like you know to be there at noon. But now I'm just calling it fluid time because we're all adults and we have families and we have lives and jobs. And sometimes life demands things that um, we just weren't, we didn't build into the schedule. So it's all good. So let's talk real quick about how we found you. Um, and I'm gonna let Julie go first because of the five of us, four of us, not including you, Amanda, the four of us that are here. Julie found you first. So Julie, how'd you find Amanda? You know, I was trying to think, I, I honestly think, I don't know, you'll have to tell me if you do this. Do you um, give away arcs at times as a, did you do yeah, that maybe? I do. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think I won a copy of Let There Be Light. Okay. Okay. And I was like, I could probably go back on our messages and I was messaging you like, like you knew who I was, like you cared, but you were going to listen to me. <laughs> it was definitely powerful to me. Thank so, you. Thank you. 
I feel like sometimes I'm never going to write a book ever like that again. I feel like it's all been downhill from there. I'm just kidding. No. Not at all. It absolutely is not. It's a journey. It's always a journey. And it's a journey this way and all yeah. over. And so Let There Be Light is a uh, male male and it's new adult. And Julie, was that the first male male book that you had read? No. Okay. So you were familiar with the subgenre. I want to say April had just written Ruined, which is another author that we read, and it she kind of broke my cherry with that one. I don't know. I her yeah, it was great. Awesome. And I think I found Amanda next through Julie. Um, okay. And I remember this because I was like, um, I was looking for books to read. And it was one of those, I've reread all of the things I love, but I need something new. I need a new author. And Julie said, you have to read Let There Be Light. And I looked at it. And at the time, I was still relatively new to romance. And I was still teaching high schoolers and, you know, young college age kids. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for a new adult romance yet. Um, whether it was male, 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 female, whatever, I wasn't ready for to dip my toe in that pool yet because it was like, you know, it was a comfort factor for me because that's what the kids I was right, teaching. Right. And she said that you have to read Love Always Wild. And I looked at that one and I went, didn't you? Or did you just say read something? You were like, well, I have no doubt. I said, let there be light. That's what it was. And then yes. you said, no, yes, Love right. Always Wild would be and the yes. next one. And she said, yeah. read Love Always Wild. And I pulled that one up and I went, oh writer and uh, oh this is like way up my alley so I read that devoured it and then just kept going through I mean as quickly as you were writing the for him series I was like next please next please <laughs> next please and because I couldn't get enough of style and I think there was when I read it you had written love always wild was out and not so sincerely yours was out and I think you were writing Dear Mr. Brody. I think so too. And when I met you, when I met you in Philly, I was writing Forever Conamore. That's what it was. Okay. And mm -hmm. I was like, but I needed something to read that was your so I went back and read Let There Be Light mm -hmm. three times and then got the audiobook and listened to it multiple times and kicked myself for not just listening to Julie and doing what she told me to and just reading it first because it's <laughs> astounding. And I have said this before, and I know that's not the book we're talking about today, but I'll say it again. Okay. If I could go back to teach language arts classes and they would mm -hmm. allow me to teach a class with books in the romance genre, Let There Be Light would be a standard that I would teach every single class because the, the language in it is powerful and stunning and poetic and um all your books are but that one just hit different and then i read the part two of the duet and it was just even more of that mm -hmm. it was just amazing so thank you for writing those books <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you guys for being so kind that was, was sort so of an experiment you. in figurative in writing for me so it was a way for me to combine my love for poetry and storytelling together. And I just think it came out pretty, pretty okay. 
I hate um, complimenting myself, but I really do. Like, out of, if you were to ever ask me which book I'm the most proud of, that'd be the book that I am the most proud of. I'm proud of all my book babies, but there's just something about Camden and and Royal that I think for me it was it was the most at that point in time in my life it was the most truthful book I'd ever written, um, as far as personal experiences in my life as well as the writing style I've always wanted to have, and it's hard to like maintain those two things sometimes when you're writing in a market that's very markety <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say <laughs> um so no, I know exactly what you're trying to say and it is <laughs> like I said I wrote that book there's sex scenes there's open door sex scenes but I literally don't use the word I don't use any like body part words and I was like so proud of myself <laughs> And it makes it sound like it doesn't have like a heat factor, which I mean, it doesn't have a huge heat factor compared to like my For Him series, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, in my right mind, give the, give those boys dirty body parts because they were young, you know, but at the same time I knew it needed to be open door. So I don't yes. know. I have no idea if you were to tell me to write a love scene again without using the word, I don't know if, what I'm allowed to say on here, without using the C word for a penis or, you know whatever I wouldn't I'd be like there's no way but I did it and I was just like hey I'm proud of this I was, was appropriate for their story mm -hmm. I don't I don't think there's that book their story mm -hmm. was perfect like yeah, I don't was. think it was so much I, I guess for me growing up in a conservative Christian home mm -hmm. it just I felt so much Mm -hmm. in that story yeah so, yeah that's I, I didn't I wasn't I wasn't raised in a conservative home but I was raised in the south and um I was raised in a very interesting home which we won't go into today because you guys are not my therapists <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I don't know that book for me was just sort of my own little way of coming out without coming out and I just really and then like I have a neurodivergent kiddo and being able to sort of put that into the story too. And um, I don't know, I just really like that book. It just makes me giggle because there's sometimes there's people who will, um, you know, they'll like search the word, you know, the C word for the penis in like their Kindles to see like if they want to read this book. <laughs> no, like you can say, I mean, I've done it sometimes too, you know, when I'm like, all right, I need a good somebody book. I got to see how many times they say the COC word. <laughs> what? You can whatever. say whatever and, you uh, want to on here, by the way. We put a disclaimer okay, at the you. beginning. I didn't know say anything. We've dropped F-bombs. We've used different okay. C words. It is, there is a disclaimer that there is language involved. And if you don't want your coworkers to hear somebody say the word cock, you better not listen to this at work. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah, there's people who will search the word cock in books. And um, I think that's so funny to me, but um, I mean, I've done it too sometimes, but um, I was just like, you will not find that word in that book. And it always makes me nervous that people won't give it a chance because of that, but um, it's okay. My boys don't like that word. It's fine. Yes. In that book, the rest of my books got cocks galore. <laughs> yes, 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 they do. And that's, but again, you know, it's appropriate. You found the perfect blend for Let There Be Light of appropriate language and tone and um, intensity for those characters. They had exactly what they needed. And it, that's why that, that book works so beautifully. Um, and I know, Ron, when did you find, um, I, I was just, I, I had to go back and look because I wasn't hundred percent sure which one was first because I, I'm not obsessive about 
starting in the beginning of anything. <laughs> um, and I actually, um, to whom it may concern was okay. my entry point. And um, I'm trying to find, I, sh I should have done it ahead of time. I was trying to look at it to see if I could find my review. Um, what struck me about it was that it, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautifully written. The language was elevated, all of those cool things that, that I looked for in books. But the thing that it that struck me the most was that the characters rang true to the people I live with, to the people that are part of my, to the part of my heart. Um, and that there was no like reach to make it politically motivated or specifically correct or anything. It was just a love story. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the common theme I'm seeing in, in, in all of your work is that you write love stories and that the story isn't gender driven or orientation driven, it's heart driven. And that's, that's powerful. That's not something that a lot of people who are writing Eminem mm -hmm. romances are doing and you do it really, really well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't know. I try to just write a love story. I mean, I do think that it's important to definitely include, you know, queer themes and queer books. Right. But at the same time, at the end of the day, love is love. Right. So that's what I try to do. <laughs> right. You know? and, and and, and I don't, I, and, and I'm not discounting that because I, I oh, no, 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 totally I on that. I, but I think that, that there are, there are Eminem romances that bash you over the head to yeah. be a, to, as a political statement and that there, there's a place for those. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're looking for a romance, when you're, you're a fan of romance, finding mm -hmm. a, someone who's writing those kinds of romances that are authentic and heart driven and, yeah. um, all the feels and also include queer themes right right mm -hmm. yeah. as a as a as a i and also as a mm -hmm. as opposed to that being the focus and like i said you do right. it really well or well mm -hmm. thank you Absolutely. very much susie how did you find amanda i came Hi, into our <laughs> group chat because she was a <laughs> charm author and i said i need to read a book by Amanda and they all sent Mimi in the blue and I was like oh I guess Mimi in the blue it is <laughs> so so you've not read Let There Be Light is that what I you're have saying not, I have not no girl Susie, there's there's no there's no cock in it I'm sorry <laughs> no cock but lots of love and color and joy and um you can go back and forth you can if you really really need some help you can go to for him and then you can kind of go back and forth but um was Susie I don't remember was maybe in the blue your first mm novel it was yes yeah I tried did other it, did I it what? was are you asking me to repeat the question or did you not hear it you're Yes, repeat the question and answer because I'm pretty sure I heard you and I'm just verifying that I heard you. It was my first MM novel. Really? I, how did yes. I not know this? It was. Interesting. Right on. Welcome, I welcome. To, <laughs> I have to say I've enjoyed it. Like Ron said, it's it was a, a love story and I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you. <laughs> I love that. And I, I kind of knew that because Susie and I've had discussions of other authors that we read together mm -hmm. that have MM books and she skipped them in the past because again, it's not everybody's thing. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, what the, the theme I kept getting from it was, you know, there's a comfort factor. And anytime somebody reads something that's new, there's a comfort factor. And right. I, when she said, I need to read something by Amanda for, um, for charm. I was like, mm -hmm. this is the perfect time for Meet Me in the Blue because it was new, mm -hmm. but it was mm -hmm. also such a beautiful love story. And right. it had so much depth and there was more to mm -hmm. it than the, just their relationship. It mm -hmm. was some very, very deep feelings that I think a lot of us have, have gone through in the past as far as, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's elements of the story of, of friendship and moving and coming back and family and parents and, and being seen and finding out who you are that everybody can identify with. And mm -hmm. like Ron said, and Julie said, it, it wasn't about the fact that it was a male, male relationship. It was mm -hmm. the fact that it was a love story and how it developed. And I had a feeling, I just, I kind of knew if Susie was going to read something and then that it was going to be meet me in the blue. Mm -hmm. I just had that right. Well, now I want to go back and read Let There Be Light because you guys all. In <laughs> so. the second book in that series is is fantastic as well. So yeah. I definitely think you should go there. And Seven Shades is male female, which is the right. second part of the duet with Let There Be Light, which is another stunningly beautiful book and audiobook. Um mm -hmm. it was I listened to both Let There Be Light and Seven Shades kind of on a circuit, on a loop for a while because they were so beautifully written and narrated. Um, but yeah, Susie, I think you would definitely appreciate and enjoy those. So that's how we all found Amanda, going back all the way to Let There Be Light, all the way up to Meet Me in the Blue. And I love that we have this range of when we all came in on that. And also, um, also too, um, I have um, MF stuff too, if like, if you wanted to try some of that too, like just to like, I feel like sometimes people don't know that because my MF, my MF stuff wasn't as popular because it was, you know, back in the day, but like Royal and Camden's, it is hailing inside. <laughs> is that hail or rain? I don't know. Um, Royal and Camden's parents, um, parents book is a book called Possession. And then he has some um, uncles that are mentioned in the book. So my Avenue Zinc series, which I'm also like, deeply proud of is um is mf if if, if you prefer mf too just just so you know i oh. just learned something i didn't know you had a book of his parents oh yeah yeah so possession um his dad and mom are possession so his dad is declan and then his uncle is liam i don't remember if you in the book his uncle was kind of weird yes. not weird but like like going through like trying to come to terms with the fact that his his nephew is gay that's Liam. And then um, Kieran is the ex-priest. And so um, Possession, Kingdom, and Poet is the O'Connell family and everything that they went through to be together. And so Let There Be Light is a spinoff of Declan and um, Paige's children. So um, yeah, and I, I actually had a plan at one point to try <laughs> to write all the kids, but I just didn't feel like I was in that I had to go, I had to move on to something different, but um, 
I really, really love my Avenue Zinc series. It's it's also very heavy themed, has like, like uh, Declan has schizophrenia and um, um, Leon, uh, poet deals with addiction, like getting over addiction. So yeah, it was like my heavier days that I wrote that series in, in 2017 and it was a very dark, dark year, but it's a good, I love that series though. But anyway, I'll be quiet now. Add the TBR. That's right. That's exactly. My... It's all on audio too. It's all I, I have all audio too. Mm-hmm. I gotta go get. Yeah, so it's all on audio. Audio books are my go-to now for going through backlist, and mm-hmm. because time now is is spent on new stuff, mm-hmm. and backlist has really taken a backseat, unfortunately, in a lot of my reading. But I have found that audio books are like my. Um, my joy in backlist reading because I mm-hmm. I don't need to have read it before. I used to, when I first started listening to audiobooks, I could only listen to audiobooks of books I've already read. But mm-hmm. now my brain has trained itself to listen to new stuff, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And I'm going to go back and listen to all of them. Yeah, they're all, and they, they're pretty decent narrators. I've got um, the girl who does Indie's voice in Seven Shades of You is kelly and kingdom teddy hamilton does poet um aaron shedlock is in possession the girls are tracy marks and aaron shedlock are possession and then it's samantha summers and i can't it's like chris oh no whoops it's rock angle um in kingdom and then it's teddy and um seraphine valentine because melissa is um mexican so I, I had, she has she had to have an accent. So, but yeah. What's okay. the anyway. series called? Um, the Avenues Inc. series, Avenues Inc. Like, there's a place in. It's about what's funny is I wrote it. It's based in Salt Lake City, and there's a place in the in Salt Lake City called the Avenues, which is like a really swanky place that would never have a tattoo shop. <laughs> but it's basically <laughs> about three Irish. <laughs> it's three Irish Catholic brothers who run a tattoo shop, and uh, in their lives. <laughs> I love that. And you're saying all my favorite names with those narrators. So yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's a really great narrators. And um, I met Teddy Hamilton when he um, to circle back to meet me in the blue. There's a character in meet me in the blue called Ryan Hartford, but everybody calls him Rye. I think he's only mentioned for a minute, but he's going to get his own book, but we'll get to that in a second. But his dad and mom book is Sacred Heart. So I'm trying to like make an Amanda verse. I love that to where everything is sort of like like if you've read all my things you get it and if you haven't that's okay you will one day maybe (laughs) well clearly I didn't know that they were from books in the past so it works whatever you're doing works and I love that connection I love when you can say it's like okay I have fallen in love with these characters and then the author's like oh but wait there's more wait there's more (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like you can go back and see their parents or remember this little side character we're gonna they're going to have their own little mm-hmm. book here. And you've been doing that weaving in with so many of the different characters and it becomes this, it's not a necessity to know the For Him series to read Meet Me in the Blue right. and Hemlock right. Harbor. But there are these little pieces that you'll put in where it's like, oh, oh, I, I know them. I love them. It's like a little family reunion. <laughs> Right. And that's kind of like, because I love that when I read books like the, I don't know if you guys have ever read um, the Richie sisters, but they're like that too, where you just kind of, I just like being able to like, you know, with Nora, Nora's from, you know, 
um, not so sincerely yours and it's Luca's sister. And, um, and then Ron is from the glow up and I just like to be able to have my own little world. Sometimes it gets confusing and I have to make sure I'm careful with timelines, but yeah. (laughs) Timelines are the devil. I have learning that Mm -hmm. more and more through editing different things, especially when you get series deep or spinoffs where sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. And then it's like, okay, so I'm going to ask you, because I've asked other authors this, um, have you ever like just said to your readers, just don't pay attention to the timeline, just, just take it for what it is. And this is the way it's going to be. Um, I haven't, but I know with, um, the FU series that I did with the other authors, um, Eden, Eden Finley, she's so funny. She, the kid, the, the characters that are, that are the main characters in her book in the FU series are the children of a couple from, I think her fake boyfriend series. But um, anyway, she said to us, she was like, I'm totally going to bold and beautiful these kids, <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever watched the bold and beautiful, but I, my, I grew up watching that stuff with my mom and my grandma. And I was like, oh my God, that's hysterical because it's so true, right? Like mm-hmm. the eight-year-old <clears throat> will go away to like prep school or summer camp and come back and be like this hot 20-year-old. Yes. <laughs> two years later. That was a yes. long camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years later and they're 20. <laughs> So yeah, she bold yes. and beautiful the kids, which I thought was really funny. But no, I I I generally don't because I usually try to like never really say like what time it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I try yeah. to be as vague as possible because of that. I did have to be careful with Nora and um because because Nora and Luca go to Sanders and Ethan's wedding. Right. And so I had to make sure that that was not that yeah yeah yes you know what I mean <laughs> yes yeah. yes so I yeah do. I kind of I had to make sure that the dad's untimely you know with the dad's diagnosis and how Nora leaves that one was like I had to yeah. be very careful with that but yeah 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 and there there is a difference sometimes I think when you can have vague timelines and you're like look this just it happened I'm not giving you a date I'm not giving you years right. I'm just giving you you know, so right. there's, there's a benefit to not working in solid timelines because right. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm editing one now where there's like solid timelines, like dates, years and months. And we're going mm-hmm. back through it going, oh, wait, no, this is going to change that and change this. Wait, got it. And it's like over 12 or 13 books. So it's like, oh, Whoa. wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortunately, the author has really good notes. <laughs> but still, oh, good. It's like, Wow, but when you put a definite timeline on it, so yeah, my friend series had timelines because of the emails. There was dates and stuff in the emails, so I had to be careful with that. And my biggest thing was when Nora went home. Like when I started Meet Me in the Blue, I was gonna start it as when Nora came home, you know, from from. Mm. But then I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't work because because right, like I just had to. So basically, I had to fix it and just say that that is when her dad was like diagnosed and like not necessarily dying right so I had to fix that and I'm glad I did because that would have been a major blow. it was <laughs> so that have yeah. been like oops sorry guys just pretend like I didn't screw up the whole series it's fine but you did you fixed it you found it you made it work and yep. you know that's part of the mm-hmm. author thing that I think a lot of people don't think of is that you think okay authors just write the words but no authors do research and authors follow timelines and authors have uh 
you know, these, these, I always think of it like, you know, the, the crime board where there's like stuff all over the walls <laughs> and then the strings connecting all of it. And you're like wandering around, yeah. ducking under stuff going, wait a minute, I'm going to follow this yellow string and it's going to tell me, okay, right. Perfect. <laughs> and then weave your way back. A lot goes into when you write a book like this, where it's from, it's interconnected. Mm -hmm. Mimi in the Blue is the first book in Hemlock Harbor, but mm -hmm. there's interconnections to your Amandaverse, you know, other mm -hmm. worlds. And it's not like I can just start here from scratch and we're starting brand new so I can make everything up as I go. Right. That ability to weave things in is, um, that takes a lot of talent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks. So, Thank but, you. Um, we do want to talk about Meet Me in the Blue because that's that's kind of why we're here. But yes, I'm sorry. I get no, so sidetracked and I, I'm I squirrely. Have you met me? Um, <laughs> I have, and I love your face. <laughs> I am so off the rails. So that's why I, I thank God for Julie and for Ron and Susie because otherwise I'd be like, that chasing where are we down doing? Yeah, where are we? What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, so. We do like to start with quotes also because okay. it kind of leads into different scenes. And instead of saying, well, what was your favorite <clears> scene? It's like, what was your favorite quote? Something that's very um, specific. And Susie, you had two and they're short, but I love them. And I'm going to make you go first. Um, all you can do is trust in the people who love you, no matter what, to be there for you when it hurts the most. You have that. You have so many people who care about you. Yeah. Am I reading? Go ahead and read the second one. I'm not leaving. Not again. This is my home. And I, yeah, see, I know. <laughs> I think that goes to the whole part of it of home. What mm -hmm. defines home? And there's a lot of that in Meet Me in the Blue of what defines home. Um. I'm sorry, I just got chills. Yes. <laughs> Ron, you're next. Okay. <clears throat> this is what I'd always wanted. This delicate intimacy. These everyday moments where we couldn't stop touching each other. And there didn't have to be an ending. I could be like this with him. Hands on skin. And how was your day? And lips that tasted like sweet mint. And never feel unsatisfied. We'd fallen in love sometime between then and now, between the pages of our youth and climbing trees and the touch of his hand and mine and the heart ache of missing each other. That's just beautiful. It is <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. It's back to the language, just painting that picture and, and the mm -hmm. emotion that's in it and the depth. <laughs> There's not a bad quote in this book. So picking these was hard. I don't get fine ones. <laughs> no. Nope. That that one that um Ron had said, that one's like a very, I don't know, um, a very personal quote too, because I feel like it takes a long time to really understand who you are as a person. And I wanted to sort of like put that in the book a little bit because Rook is kind of like me in a way, because my whole life, I, I, I knew that, you know, I wasn't like 
everybody else, I guess, in a sense. So, and it took me a really long time because, you know, when we were younger, we didn't have labels. We didn't have things like that. At least I didn't. And um, I knew that I was attracted to both genders and I just, you know, kind of kept that to myself for a really long time. But the thing was, is that even though I was attracted to both genders, I, I struggled still with sexual attraction. And I didn't know why until I was much older because, you know, demisexuality and the ACE spectrum and things like that weren't readily available to, I mean, I didn't have the internet until I was in my twenties. <laughs> I mean, so like my, my early twenties. So like, it was just writing Rook was a really, was sort of a, oh God, I can't think of the word. My head is like, not with me today, but, um, sort of like, a like a, when you're like doing like a project of self, I guess <laughs> that's yes. not what I want to say, a, but a little bit cathartic. Yeah, yes. I mean, I, I, yes, I think yes. that for me, it, it, reading it was cathartic mm -hmm. because like you, I grew up in a, in, in an environment that didn't have language for the way people loved and right. at least not inclusive language for the way people loved. And, mm -hmm. um, I think that that's that's what pulls me into your books is that it that that you and I I hate the word normalize because it is normal but right. that that it just all of a sudden there's a space for the rest of us right right and I think too for women um and and I won't like get too in depth of this because <laughs> I can talk about this for days but I took this class um, while I was in college called Queer Studies, and it talks about queer theory and like fluidity of sexuality and stuff. And women, there's this like really cool research article. And if you guys ever want to read it, I'll send you the link. But um, it talks too. about women and how um, women as they age become more sexually fluid in a way because the way we the way we love is different. And I thought it was really interesting because I've, I don't know. I just think over time with like, I don't know. I just related to Rook in a really good way. And, and I wanted to be able to write that space. Cause I think there's a lot of us out there that, you know, we, we, we are attracted to who we're attracted to, but it's not always this, like, you know what I mean? Like this, I don't have to be super sexual to be, to be in love with somebody. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so I, and I think a lot of us as people struggle with that and they don't understand themselves. And it was sort of like, this was sort of like a, Oh, I can't think of the word right now. Not a project of self, but that's what I'm going to go with because the word is totally not with me right now. <laughs> no, you, there's an introspective part to it where you say, I identify with this and it becomes, and it, it, it becomes authentic in your writing. It's not like right. you have to research to know how that feels. Right. You know how right. it feels because it's authentic and genuine within yourself. And it comes across right. on the page and the words that you use where people are reading it and they don't feel like they're reading a, um, a research paper, you know, you, <laughs> you feel like you're reading someone's emotions and someone's right. thoughts and, and someone's, um, yeah, the words are, words are a weird thing, you know, and you, you try to find one word that means something and you just, you can't because language is fluid also. And as you mm -hmm start to create characters and you start to create situations for them and you pull more from your background, the words don't have the same meaning anymore. <laughs> right. You know? I, um, and I think, I think that there's a level of intimacy on the page mm -hmm. that's different from other romances. Um, you know, you can, you can say, yeah, it's a, it's a steamy romance and, and yeah, that's there, but there's also the, the deep, intimacy 
Mm -hmm. non, not sexual dependent right. intimacy that right. is, isn't in, in the passages, like the one in like my quote yeah. is that, that yes, it's about hand, you know, hand holding and, and touching skin, but it's also about all of that depth of interconnectedness that, and how well they know each other and exactly. And, yeah. and all of the levels that are like, for me, I have to be mentally and emotionally attached to somebody before those mm -hmm. other things work for me. So yep, to see that, to That's see that right. on the page where it belongs is mm -hmm. it's refreshing to me. Yeah. I'm 100% the same way. And, and I wanted to write that. And I, and I'm so glad that it came through because I feel like, especially in like, if you are married and you've been married for a long time and it doesn't matter who you're married to boy or girl or, or non-binary or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think you have to have that connection in order to like, you can't sex is only sex for so long, you know what I'm saying? And that, it doesn't always, it's not always the thing that keeps people together. And it's not always the thing that brings people together. Like I, like I'm the same way where I have to really, really have had those other types of intimacies and know a person before I am able to get to a point where I trust that person with my body. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how Rook was in a way. And, and that's what I was hoping to, that came across. So I'm glad that it did because I, I know a lot of times readers hate flashbacks, but I thought it was so important for flashbacks to be in this book because I don't think the readers would have understood how these two guys were already in love with each other before they even like kissed for the first time. You know what I mean? They were in love so. before they knew they were in love. Yeah, yeah that, yeah. that emotional intimacy, that soul level connection. Like start, it all, started in the- like Oh, much more real. First, and I gotta say- First pages. Yeah, I have no mm -hmm. problem with flashbacks when they're done right. And the mm -hmm. flashbacks of Meet Me in the Blue are amazing. The way it, part of it's the format, part mm -hmm. of it's the language. Like there is a distinct difference between the language that you use in the flashbacks and the language that you use in the present. And it's almost mm -hmm. like the flashbacks are seen as a dream sequence where they're very mm -hmm. fluid and they're very... Um, I'm trying to, they're, uh, the figurative language in them and the mm -hmm. way that you pull the scene together is mm -hmm. very different from the narrative in the- Sorry. The Did you, I was watching them go across the back screen. <laughs> Families. But it really was a very different feeling for me with the flashbacks. And for me, it was absolutely essential that they be there because this wasn't the kind of book where you could say, I'm going to start when they were kids and take you all the right. way through when they're adults. But there was no way to understand what they were dealing with as adults without mm -hmm. knowing what they went through together as kids. Well, right. Yeah, in it, in it starts, I was, I went and looked, um, it's like page 12. Um, my fingertips tingled like I'd sat on them too long and I reached for his hand. Rick looked down at our tangled fingers, his lopsided grin appearing again as I, said I guess we'll both be loners together and that you that you specifically the the imagery of of hands touching together and that you mm -hmm. bring that back to the to the adult relationship mm -hmm. it's it's like layers of yeah yeah this this is the moment like their first meeting they had that tingly connection 
-hmm. that that was pervasive and I, I just like that thank you <laughs> more chills Julie your quotes I think this is Rook talking and stop apologizing he grumbled and started to walk again his big stride faster than before you only have to say it once otherwise sorry becomes just another word and the entire point of it is lost and I feel like as everyday people how many how many people have used that word and you do realize you'd like it's like that doesn't mean anything anymore saying mm -hmm. sorry without any action is worthless right. and I guess that that's why that it's not very deep but no anyway. what's funny about that is my husband calls me a pathological sorrier because <laughs> I say sorry all the time and I don't know why I do it and it makes me crazy and I try like hard to not do it because I say sorry for things I shouldn't even say sorry for and it's like at that point it's like I say it so much that it doesn't even matter if I say it you know what I'm saying so I right. try really hard to not do it and so that was sort of me being like see he's right because <laughs> <laughs> it's true like especially when somebody passes else. away like I mean, how many times do we hear that? You know I mean? Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it's like, you know, that people are meaning well, and you know, that people are trying to help you, but at the, at the same time, it becomes sort of grading, you know? Um, my second quote is he broke and it's part of a sentence. I probably should have went back. Um, mm -hmm. He broke through all the gray and showed me how amazing touch could feel, how a kiss was supposed to taste. How losing yourself and letting go wasn't a perfunctory, perfunctory obligation, but vivid fireworks in a clear sky. I love the imagery in that quote. Exactly. I, I love the mixture of the senses. I love the... the, uh, the but I think that's why Amanda is so amazing. I, if you, probably if you've looked at every single review... I've got something about your writing and how beautiful it is and how poetic it is, which coming from me is, I mean, that to me, it's amazing. Like for me to like see that on page and feel it. Thank you. <laughs> like, I know I just want to be like, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> There's a layer to the language that is different from the typical story. Um, and you know, there's, there are writers and authors and storytellers and everybody brings their own thing to the page, whether it's, um, their experience, their, um, again, their authenticity that they bring to the page. There is something in the language that you bring into the books that makes them different. And that's not a bad thing. Everybody's like, oh, different is, you know, not a good thing if you want to do this, that, or the other thing. But you have to set yourself apart somehow. And right. to me, the way that these books are set apart, the way your writing is set apart is in the language itself, not in the story. Because, you know, right. I know people have said this before. It's that every story has already been told. It's just how right. you tell it. And mm -hmm. it's, for some people, it's their use of, you know, language that shocks and for right. other people, it's use of language that soothes and then right. language that builds like good trend. banter, you know, like yes. I love writers who can do really good banter and make you laugh. And, um, I always, 
I always see, I, I try not to read reviews anymore because they hurt me, but um, I, I, whenever I get a review that's like, oh, she's too flowery or, oh, she's all purple prose. I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. You don't like that, but I, I will, I, I will always tell people I always border a little too purple, but that's okay. We've had this discussion before that when I read your writing, yeah. I see purple and yeah. purple's my favorite oh, color, so I'm not gonna, yeah, but I'm, I am never going to turn that down because that's where my soul lives too. So people read my reviews and they're like, the hell is she talking about? That happened today. (laughs) Where They're like, I had to use Siri to figure out what that meant. And I'm like, (laughs) but But that's why I think, I don't know. I have read books and I'm like, what the F are they saying? What are they trying to tell me? Where you, you, I'm sorry. <laughs> See, sorry. Where you, okay. your language makes sense, even though it may right. be flowery, it mm-hmm. makes sense. It's it. What's what do you say, Michelle? Because Michelle's my word fluffer. Um, <laughs> purposefully purple. It's purposely purple. You. Show, not tell. What is it that you right. say? Yeah. And Show I feel like tell. you use those words to like put us in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I really like do try not to be too purple because sometimes purple can be a little like, what the hell are these people even saying? Like you can tell they're trying to be obtuse to be obtuse. And it's like, or like using weird imagery for things that shouldn't be. Like I read something the other day and I can't remember what it was. And <laughs> See, this is the weirdest ass analogy I've ever heard in my life. But I mean, I got what they were saying, but it was almost like they were trying, trying to too hard. Be, yes. Right. And, yep. um, but, um, and I don't know, maybe I am too, but like, <laughs> I always hope that I'm, I always tell people I am a little, pur- I just like, I walk the line of purple and that's okay. You know, but okay, it's I, a I mean, picture. time out. Yeah. Please okay. explain purple. What, what are we talking okay, so about? Purple, uh, purple prose is a way like it's like it's actually not a good thing like people like in literary terms people like purple prose can be I'm not good at definitions I'm gonna look it up really quick and tell you the 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 definition so purple prose okay prose that is too elaborate or or ornate so I I feel like sometimes I can get a little purple like I can get a little too ornate but I don't think so like I don't feel like I ever use language that's too much I mean maybe I do purple prose yeah I do I don't know have you guys ever read Amy Harmon ever read Amy Harmon okay you should read Amy Harmon I I think I think she's a little purple but that's okay but it's a good purple you know what I mean like she also walks the line of purple or like the shatter me series um is really purple I'm trying to think of like examples of purple prose but yeah for me when I think of purple prose I think of it's like you're reading it and it just it's it's so much it's so much where you're like okay I could have lost 30 of those words and still understood exactly what they were saying right and kept right. going and the reason so I here's an think- example yeah. oh so go ahead okay no, go it just ahead. says that this is an example on the internet it says the mahogany-haired adolescent girl glanced fleetingly at her rugged paramour a crystalline sparkle in her eyes as she gazed enraptured upon his countenance yeah yes. nope. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, that's purple story. so I guess I'm not purple nope. maybe nope. I'm not purple <laughs> you're not because <laughs> I feel because... like half of those things could go you know what right. I mean 
Exactly. Yeah. Purple prose, true purple prose to me is like when I was when I was teaching high school and I'd be reading a paper that they wrote and I'm like, dude, if you had just come to me and said, I can't write five pages, I would have just said, just write two really good ones instead of five pages where you right. use a th thesaurus for 60% of your word choice. You know, right. it's, it's where you can take it. And, you know, I think back to like Dickens when they were like writing by the word and getting right. paid by the word. So every word they yes. put in there, if they were, there wasn't one adjective to describe a noun, there were 10. And okay. then it was like, just carried on and carried on. I don't see that with you because every word you yeah. use is essential to creating the picture and That's setting true. the scene. So maybe I'm more lyrical than purple. Yes, you are 100% lyrical. Yes. Okay, I will so never call myself word. purple again. But, and, I, and I think that you're not excessive in, in your language. You're, and your choice of language is elevated in a way that it's if it were if it were truly purple it would be your book would be twice as long as it is that's true that's true it'd be a hundred thousand words right you're you're concise your 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 storytelling is storytelling. is dialed in it's not it, it's not oh, am i ever going to finish this chapter right. it's okay elevated it, it's the language is in a is used in a way that's elevated so that yes it's beautiful and it's poetic but it's not over the top hopefully yes, <laughs> yes. It's because miracle. to tell the, to tell the same story without the poetic language you'd need twice mm -hmm. the book yeah right. because you paint pictures yeah big time i think for me which they'll probably smack me later but i'm not an educated person so for when we when I can read a book and not have to stop and think, what, what in the hell did she say and why and how many times do I have to read it to figure out why? Right. You know, I, to me, it's just, you are easy to read, but it's beautiful. Okay. Well, thank you. That's good. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> so, yay. I yeah, I, I do. Thank you. I need, to, I just, I don't know. I always, those who know me know that I worry about everything way too much. And um, I always think the worst of myself. And then, like you said, you know, as authors, we go and we read reviews and you'll see something like, oh, she's purple or, oh, she's too flowery. And we take that internally. And then of course we bring it to our beds and we bring it to our to our typewriters and we try not to do that but at the end of the day I just have to write how I write and um and I usually will not do more than three I don't know if you've ever noticed this about my writing but I I'm I'm like addicted to threes so I have to say things in threes I don't know why I feel like it flows better if there's three things and I love the word and and joining those three things <laughs> and that's the way I write and so um I can't I can't stop myself from doing it I've tried like this book that I'm writing right now I've tried very hard to like like break that but that's just my style I can't stop it I just can't do it I'm not gonna say sorry for it either damn it that okay. is actually a thing that is actually I, I when I was back in college and they were teaching us all about writing and how people write and you know things and cadence um mm -hmm. that is actually a thing that is ingrained in certain people's heads and certain people's writing mm -hmm. that the cadence comes in that some it's a waltz so if you think that some right. people write in twos, it's like four, four time in music. Some people write in mm -hmm. a waltz where it's that three part right. cadence. 
I'm yes. the same way. They get tired of me in my reviews. It's always like, and this and this and this. And they're like, couldn't you just stop? I'm like, no, because the cadence in my head says it's unfinished right. until I get to that third piece. Right. But that continues the cadence in your story and it continues the pace mm -hmm. and it continues the picture and it builds the intensity and it's it's part of who you are don't try okay here's the <laughs> here's the teacher coming out don't try to stifle what comes naturally mm -hmm. when it's natural like that it's intentional and it's right it will feel unfinished if you don't Follow that it, <laughs> it really really does I was literally writing last night and I was like I couldn't think of a third and I was like I guess I could just leave it here and then I literally stared at it for like five minutes because I was like I can't leave it here I must find a third I I write notes and I'm like and it's it's delicious and decadent and then I can't think of a third and I go I do little asterisks and I'm like I gotta come back to this later and then I'll keep going and then I'll come back and I'm like looking up d words and like oh don't look don't google d words don't, you know <laughs> it's like don't do it. <laughs> but it is waltz light and the waltz like is is the right descriptor yeah and and that's the, there there is that cadence to the story and, and to to the stories and and it moves you forward and holds you into the story because you're a partner in that dance and i think that that's i like that that's not something like that. that you should that's not something you should bite you know, right. there are, there are other books that aren't that, right. If you can write that. Why wouldn't you? Right. Right. Well, Please thank stop. you. I like that. I'm, I'm going to say from now on, you guys are not my readers. You guys are my partners in my dance. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. And don't change your writing. I, oh, I'm telling I you, I, I always I'm, try to, and then I don't. And that's why I've only written 10,000 words since I put out Mimi in blue. It's like just like in this weird, weird headspace of my writing and I need to get back to it. But that's a story for another day. Well, but hopefully this will help you get back to whatever. <laughs> yes. And stop reading reviews. Right. You know better right. than that. You know, I don't anymore. I don't, I haven't read a review. I, I actually deleted Goodreads from my phone. I will sometimes like read, get on, like I'll get on my computer when ARC reviews come out. Cause I feel like my ARC readers are more like kind of like, I know they're not going to totally like hate it because I know some of my ARC readers, like from my ARC team and stuff. But even so, even if I get like a critical review from an ARC member, it's usually something that I'm like, okay, okay, I can see that. I can see that. You know what I mean? But like once the book is out in the wild, nope. Because <laughs> it's Good. just, it's actually, sometimes it is kind of not fun. I would never use the word fun, but interesting because you read things that people loved about the book. And then those same people who didn't like, who give you a bad review, it's the thing that they, that this person loved, but they hated it. Or like the thing this person hated, they loved. And it's like, and it's just like, it just sort of comes down to the thing is you cannot please everybody. Everybody will read a completely different book. It's like when you go into a museum and you look at a picture on the wall or a painting on the wall, some people are going to be like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And some people are going to be like, that's splatter. I don't right. understand it. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it's like, and that's okay. And their, and their opinion is totally valid. You know what I mean? Like everybody's going to read their own interpretation of it. Like I had a, a review once this, when I was for Brody that like blew my mind. Cause I was like, how the hell did they get that? <laughs> how did they interpret that from what they read? But I was like, I, I mean, they're entitled to their opinion, but that's wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I started to call those the, the baby food reviews. Because, okay, 
but hear me out. <laughs> I've read those reviews where I'm like, did they read the did they read the book? What the hell? How did they okay, you know, like when you have an infant and it's like you feed them peas and it doesn't come out looking anything like peas. So it's like, how did they input this book and come out right. with that review? Somewhere in the mess of them processing it, they right. missed the plot. They didn't understand right. the assignment. They whatever. <laughs> and they turned bright green spring peas into yellow mushy goo. I, you know, it's like, how right. did you do that? I do want to like sometimes say to someone, what did we read? the same book because and I don't and I feel like sometimes you don't you really don't because I think nope. there's books that people absolutely love and adore out there that I've read and been like what in the actual hell did I just read <laughs> but let's, you know what I mean but and that's okay yeah. and so like but yeah that's why I've had it but I have really honestly truly stopped reading reviews because sometimes people get how oh, we get I mean I get I get very like impassioned when I'm upset about something that I've read but I usually like tell my friends I don't put it out for the world to see but I get it and so I try because readers at the end of, like I think it was TJ Klune that said it and I absolutely adored that he said this because it really helped me he said and um and if you haven't read him you should he said once you put that book out and you've published it it doesn't belong to you anymore it belongs to the reader and um and you can sit there and try to defend it all day long but it doesn't matter like you you made it it's your book Sure. But once you put it out there, it doesn't belong to you anymore. Yeah. So just step away and move on. And so I'm just like, all right. So I kind of try to do that now because he's right. Cause once it's out there, I can't, I can't control how people see it or read it and I'm never going to change anybody's mind. And that's okay. I just I can think, only hope that people receive it. I think readers too, depending on what's going on in their life, their mindset can mm -hmm. mess up what they get out of a book yep. or how they perceive the book yep. so Absolutely. there's yeah. been times where i've had to read a book where i've had to like put it on pause for a second because i know mm -hmm. that i'm gonna like it but i'm not gonna write like it right now like yes. right now i'm kind of going through some like stuff in my life and so there's no way in heck i could read a rom-com right now i would be like this is the dumbest crap on the planet even though it's probably three months from now i'm gonna pick up that same book and be like this is the best book i've read ever you know what i mean so mm -hmm. yeah I, yeah, we bring something different to it. And you have to be in the right space of mind and the right time in your life. And you know, Mimi in the Blue is a is a deep story. There's tragedy in it. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, yes, there's a happily ever after, but there's a lot to go through to get there. And for someone who right. has maybe just lost someone in their family, right. this may not be the book for them to read right now because right. the emotional intensity of it may just be too much. Much, but on right? the other hand, for someone else who's just lost a family member, it may be very soothing and cathartic. And we all bring something different to that experience. Right. Um, right. And that's why I put the, the content warning, because I know um, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to just put survivorship or grief. Like I wanted to make sure that somebody that they knew it was a death of a parent because it's just so specific. You know what I mean? Yes. And so and especially in I think in the in the blurb, I mentioned that he comes home because his father's health is declining. So like, I wanted the reader to know that they weren't going into just this simple, oh, his, you know, parent died, like you're going to watch that process. And, right. um, you know, and, and that was important that the reader knows that because you're right, like, there's some people who have just lost their parent. I mean, we're all of an age now that we're losing our parents to hospice, you know what I'm saying, or grandparents or whoever, you know, 
And so I wanted to make sure that that was known because you never know, like somebody, like you said, could pick up Meet Me in the Blue right now and absolutely hate it. But then maybe a year from now after they've processed their own grief, find, you know, comfort in it. <clears throat> yeah. And it's I, the quote that I, um, one of the quotes I, I chose is, is by his dad. And mm -hmm. um, it says, the point of this entire story is that love isn't easy. Love is sacrifice, son. It hurts. It's messy. and It will tear you up. And the risk of sounding like one of those greeting cards your sister loves to torture us with, I have to say it's worth it. Love is worth every single hurt it gives. It's worth it because it's fucking living and you deserve to live. And the power behind that message from father to son, from someone who's nearing the end of their life, um, Wow, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> it's um there's so much in that right there that is transcendent and emotional and having that come from a father to the son. And he's telling him the story of how he met his his mother. And it's not it, there's what? more to what they always thought, you know. So right. it, it becomes this way of him passing down information you know, family information, but also of him passing along wisdom. And sorry, I had to sit with that one for a little bit. <laughs> um, no, it's um that, like, I just thought that was so important because a lot of times, um, and like, I don't want to discount that father and sons. I just feel like, I don't know. I just like, I lost, I lost my my father, but it wasn't in that way. And me and my dad didn't get along. But um, when I lost my grandfather, it was very, very hard for me. He was on hospice and, and things like, and, and so I went through that with him and he had de um, dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff. So when he left, it was really, really hard. But um, I just think it's important. Like sometimes I just think in books, especially when it's about um, the queer community, parents, and, and, I, and like, when I say this, I'm not discounting it's because I will probably, there are a lot of parents who are not on board with things they should be on board with, you know? And um, so with this book, I wanted to really just hone in on the support that I think we need to see more in the queer community as well, but also just between fathers and sons. I think in general, you know, the relationships between fathers and sons are very um, special, but can also be kind of toxic. And so I wanted to show that you don't always have to have these roles in a certain way that you can still show your son how to love. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm saying yes. <laughs> And show emotion. Yeah, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to love because you don't have to hide from it, you know, because that's what they're kind you know, the males in our society sometimes are told, you know? And so I was trying to show that that relationship can also be this way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Yeah. And it was as you read through the book and you see what their relationship is and you see not just the relationship between Rook and Luca, but the relationship between the parents and their children and the, the families because they're neighbors and they're coworkers and they're best friends. And there's more than just this, um, he's the boy I've always loved. It's the families are close and it's not just right. a loss for the, the children. It's a loss for right. the families. So right. 
mm-hmm. having this moment for me between um between Luca and his dad my I lost my dad oh my gosh 20 years ago yeah 20 years ago mm-hmm. suddenly so I never had this moment of you know right that that connection type of as they're they're passing on that wisdom because they know that they only have a limited time to pass the wisdom on right seeing that reading that but knowing that the intention was for comfort because when you lose someone everyone wants to comfort you you know being comforted by the person that you're losing there's an extra level of emotion and intensity there right and it's like even his last days he had to be the parent you know what I mean yeah Mm -hmm. and I think Luca felt that it's almost like you know you hate to say he gave permission but he did it was that you have to follow your heart. You have to do mm-hmm. what's good for you, but you have to understand that it's not a straight line journey, that you're going to hurt. You're going to be miserable. You're going to deal with loss. But at the end of all of it is this ultimate goal of, of love. Right. And that's powerful, really powerful. And geez, it's okay. I know we're like, we, we, we I could talk to you guys about this for like ever and ever and ever, but I'm sorry. don't stop that. No, (laughs) do not apologize for being so awesome that we want to keep talking to you. Um, I did have this other really quick quote that I really do love. I'll just say really fast. And then we're going to do some really fast questions. Um, I love this one too. He said, he was made for me and I was his too. I knew that now, knew it as well as I knew my own way through my house with the lights off. The way I knew he had changed, but he was still my home. that 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 there's that imagery of knowing something so well we all know that with the lights off Mm -hmm. in our home we could find exactly where we needed to go Mm -hmm. and that he was such an they were such an integral part to each other that they didn't need to be led Mm -hmm. they just knew how to find it it took him some time Mm -hmm. but once they figured it out it was like bam it's home right I think we actually covered even most of the questions we were going to ask you. I think we've like talked through, <laughs> oh, throughout. but um, Julie, you had that, that first one. I do want you to ask the first one you had up there. What was your favorite scene or part of the book? Oh, to write. <laughs> um, I really loved writing the flashbacks. That I think for me was probably my favorite part of the whole book. I love writing that age. I love writing. um, I loved writing, like watching them fall in love in a way that you wouldn't normally like they're, they're not, they're just scenes, right? But you can see them falling in love in these scenes and they don't know it. I mean, Luca knows it, but Rook doesn't know it. So it was really cool to sort of put those scenes in with the chapter that they were in and sort of have Rook look back at those scenes too and be like, oh my gosh, like this has been going on forever and I just didn't realize it. So for me, I really loved writing those flashbacks. I love that. Yeah. And Ron had a question on the opposite side of that. Oh, what, what was the hardest part? The hardest one was probably, I know you guys are probably expecting me to say the dad's death, which that one was probably number two. 
that was a hard one for me. But I think the hardest one was the first love scene that they have together, that first um, intimacy scene, like physical intimacy, because I always struggle with sex scenes because I just feel like because of me as a person, physical touch is not important as much as like, you know, sitting down and snuggling and talking. So writing sex has always been hard for me. So I think for me, it was there. I wanted to make sure that it was true to life and as realistic as possible without being overly sexual. Cause I think for a person like Rook or a person like me, that first time is so vulnerable that um, when you're finally letting yourself be a part of something like that, it can become, I don't know. I just wanted to really like make sure I honed in on that and it didn't make it just another sex scene, if that makes sense. It's not salacious by, by any stretch. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that it, that um, it's, it's very balanced. I'm smiling so much because I'm thinking in my mind, you have this way of writing sex scenes that are not about sex. And I love that <laughs> because yeah. it's so much more about the intimacy and the emotion and the connection and the passion. And it's mm-hmm. less about the act. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, it, it flows with everything else that you write. It's just so balanced. It's like their hearts and souls go forward and they drag their bodies along for the ride. And exactly. And isn't that, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Yes. I like that. That is definitely how I feel. I just always feel like they're, I'm, I, you can, I, ask Michelle because she made us for me but I'll always like when I'm writing a sex scene I'll always tell my beta readers I'm like tell me if it's a terrible is it not because I'm always nervous it's going to sound choppy because I don't love to talk about the physical part of it (laughs) I like to talk about the emotional part of it and I most of the time there's not a lot of like I know and, and I like dirty talk just as much as the next person in books but like my books never have the characters really talking a lot so I'm always nervous that did I have them check in with each other enough I don't know sex scenes are my nemesis but I hear that from a lot of authors yeah oh good (laughs) because there's only so many ways you can write the p and v and right or p and p you know it's just it just yeah yeah so you in my opinion Mm -hmm. but the difference is the emotion that each author puts into it and your stories lend themselves to the emotion. Mm-hmm. And that would, a really graphic sex scene would feel very out of place forced. in a lot of your books. Very forced, mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. it's almost like, you know, you would take a piece and cut it and put it in. It doesn't right. match the flow of right. the tone of the rest of the story. So for me, I love getting to your sex scenes because I'm like, ah, oh, I'm going to get the emotion. It's going to be the the intensity and the emotion and the passion and everything, the connection. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the life of the story for your characters is the intensity of the the passion and the connection. And in the, in, in meet me in the, in the blue, that, that is a hundred percent authentic to those characters, Mm -hmm. Um, but you didn't have any problem bringing this steam in to whom it may concern. There was, that was pretty on the page. <laughs> yeah, no, I have like, I, I definitely like once they're there, I can't, once it's there, I can put it on the page. I just, I just don't like to. But that was, that was authentic to those characters. Exactly. I, I think that you yeah. couldn't write those kinds of scenes. I mean, that's that in, in your face. 
not that they right. were in your face, but that they were right. two different characters and, and you write authentically to the characters right. that, that you're writing. So I, whether you hate it or not, you do it well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think the, well. I think when I wrote, I think it was not so sincerely yours. There's a scene and I had never written, um, or did I was, I can't remember if I didn't love always well, but I remember I was very like, it was very, it was a much more explicit scene and not so sincerely yours about, I can't, I don't even like to say the word out loud just because I hate talking about sex stuff, but there's like a, a rimming scene, <laughs> not so sincerely yours. And I remember writing that being like, when I was all said and done, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just wrote that. <laughs> I remember sending it out to my betas and they were just like, that was really good, Amanda. And I was like, oh, great. And then my narrator, um, Aaron Shedlock, who narrated that book, he like wrote, he like prepared for the book and he wrote and he narrated the book. And then he like messages me and he was like, cause he had read my previous work where it's not like, I think not so sincerely yours is pretty explicit. And he was just like, you just like really went there with that book, didn't you? And I was just mm -hmm. like, oh gosh, did I do it wrong or something? <laughs> I mean, so I don't know. I'm always so paranoid about it. Not for those why. characters. It was perfect for those characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's completely it understandable. Sorry. Go ahead. I got to oh, go. Susie's got to go pick up Kenzie. So I'm sorry. Susie, no, I'm sorry. I'm so chatty. No, you're, you're fine. Chatty. Bye, guys. Bye, honey. Bye, Susie. Bye, Susie. Um, what I was saying is just keep doing what you're doing. Seriously, your writing is beautiful. Your storytelling is perfect. So thank you. Don't and overthink. Any, and anytime you need the counseling side of the stalker sisters, just drop into our into our <laughs> DMs and we'll, we'll we'll work you through it. We <laughs> can we can always hop on to Discord or whatever and have a yep. powwow. Zoom and <laughs> talk things through yeah. and I, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you know we we That's take awesome. for granted that there's this community, mm -hmm. but writing is a very lonely thing mm -hmm. um, when you're in your own head and you're dealing with the characters and you're trying to get their story out, it becomes a very solitary effort. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, there's a community that's more than willing to <laughs> sit here with you <laughs> and listen to you say, you know, and I know right. you're going through a lot of things with, you know, we're, we're always, we deal with things with personal lives mm -hmm. and we deal with things with kids and families and situations and right might be just very very triggering where it's like i gotta step back for a little bit from this or right even just exhaustion kind of kicks in sometimes and you're like i don't wanna i just don't wanna and mm -hmm. i know we've had this discussion before me with mm -hmm. with you and me with with um with ron and with julie and it's like sometimes the only timeline you have to pay attention to is your own and everybody else will right. wait because mm -hmm. when you try to rush and force something, mm -hmm. it's not going to be what you want. And you're going to write right. 30,000 words and then look at it and go, the fuck was that? And then toss <laughs> yeah. it when you could have been just, you know, taking a walk in the sunshine or. And that's why, like, I haven't written in a while. Like, I, I just, I can't write. Like, I'm very, my kids are coming home, by the way. So you might hear them, but um. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, my writing is very linear and I have to write the way I write. And so when I can't write, 
there like I can't force it so like I've been writing this chapter <laughs> chapter three of the next book for I think since Charm City and I just needed I just needed to step away from it for a minute because it is a very heavy book it deals with a lot of things from my past and so it's and then adding to that like the you know I'm going through a little bit of depression right now so it's been really hard to find the words I need to put on paper. And that's also hard because then you're like, oh my God, am I ever going to write again? Like, am I broken? You know, am I ever going to find the things? So last night I wrote a little bit and it was really good. And I got to the point now where I'm just like, you know what, it's okay. You don't have to finish a chapter as long as you put words on paper and they're words that you like, even if it's three sentences, then it's three sentences, you know, so mm -hmm. three. <laughs> you know what? It's still a step yeah. closer than you were. And yeah. Even yeah. if you decide that it's not what you wanted, it's a step. A decision right. that you don't like something is just as good as a decision that you do because you know what you right. don't want there. And, right. you know, some writers have to work through their um, their writer's block. I know Avery has said this before mm -hmm. that when she hits writer's block, she just sits down and writes even if it's gibberish just oh, so that yeah. she knows she's <laughs> writing something. And right. some writers, I think... Um, Freya Barker, I think, posted about this a couple of days ago, where she's like, "I'm just putting it down and I'm going to take a walk because I know she's that's what I have to do." Away mm -hmm. from it, and mm -hmm. eventually you figure out what works. And in some situations, this might work, and in some situations, that might work. Right. But and sometimes you just need to have that conversation that says, "I know that I'm putting me too much of me on the page, so I need to just dump this someplace." You know. Yeah. Right. And. And knowing that you've got a safe space to do that is priceless. You know, mm -hmm. I, my stalker sisters get all kinds of stuff. I got to, I'm doing this thing and I got to get rid of this thing. So here, let me puke it on the page for you. And then mm -hmm. I'll straighten it out and do it something, you know, do something that everybody else can read later. We're all good on the word vomit. That is something yeah. that none of us shy away yeah. from. <laughs> so well, you will never get judgment from us. It's therapy. Word vomit. Oh, good. This may not make any sense, but here it is. <laughs> here it is. Because I love was, it. The last question was, what's next? And I know that you're working on the next one in your mm -hmm. Block Harbor, um, mm -hmm. which so far is just, it's so good. Um, I know I've messaged you a couple of times with what you've said so mm -hmm. far is just, it's deep and authentic and mm -hmm. everything is, is everything you write is deep and authentic. I've never read, I've never read something you've written that I have felt hasn't come from a place of genuine authenticity where you really mm -hmm. feel what you're writing and right. um, that's the same there. The same so what, there. what's, what's the process for Hemlock Harbor? What's happening with that? Just in general, what's your overall thing? Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll be quick about it. So I can let you guys go. I'm, um, I'm so sorry. So um, I, I know. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm writing, um, I, I'm writing Ron and Carter's story right now and Carter, Carter's story is really heavy and, um, and it's hard because I haven't written super high angst in a long time. And so not that they're super high angst, but like I have, usually I write angst that's outside of the relationship and not in the relationship and meet me in the blue had a little bit of in the relationship angst, but nothing too crazy, but these guys are definitely a little bit higher angst. And so um, I'm writing them. And then this third book will be about another, will be Ryan's book. 
which is kind of um, a little bit of a spoiler, but that's okay. Shush. My daughter's home now. I'm on Zoom, FYI. I'll be off in a minute. Um, but um, so then I think I'm going to do Ryan's book will be the third book and it will be him and a person who I will not say right now. I don't think, I think I actually, it's okay. It's a nurse. And then the, I haven't decided if I want the fourth book to be part of this series or its own separate thing, because it's the Rook's brother who's hockey, who is a hockey player. And um, I have a hockey series that I wrote that I started writing and they were going to be complete standalones, like not interconnected. But then there's a character from Breakaway that I really wanted to give a story to. So Bryce um, is mentioned in Meet Me in the Blue with um, Rook's brother. And that's that their book will be either the fourth book of Hemlock Harbor or part of my rule book collection, which I think I might do that because they're not really going to be in Hemlock Harbor. So I feel like it makes more sense for them not to be a part of that series. So, yeah, well, that's what my plans are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, know, I just keep expanding it. But um, I, um, yeah, Ron and Carter, I really, I'm, I'm excited for this. I think a part of the reason why I'm struggling a little bit with their story is I'm nervous because they're a little bit higher angst. And I know people don't super love that. And there's lots of things in here like Carter is a very flawed person and he makes very bad decisions and I'm really nervous <laughs> that people are gonna, I have to like remember that I just have to not worry about like I'm like I can't remember if it was you or my other friend who was like stop writing bad reviews before they even come before you even write the book you know because I'm like well they're gonna be like this this and this and I just have to stop and just write the story and if it's authentic people will like it and people are probably gonna get mad at Carter but they'll get over it and if they don't that's okay that's that is, that, okay. that was definitely another friend who said that, the review part, mm -hmm. but I love that. I might have to steal that from them. Um, but one thing that I have always said is when you're writing a character, you have to listen to what they tell you. And if right. you try to change their story, they're going to tell you you're wrong. And then it's right. not going to come and he across. he keeps telling me I'm wrong. And, I, uh -huh. and I, don't, yes. I, don't, I don't know if you're, you're, if you consider your books your children too or not but um Khalil Gabran has a our children his his dictate says that they come through us but but they're they're not from you so right when that when the story comes through you have to let them go and do their thing you know and, yeah. and then and you don't really own the at the end of that I mean you were saying that when you write a book and you put it out there all of a sudden it doesn't belong to you anymore but I think that's true yeah. and it's if you're if you I know I do. To look at your your books as your children. The same yes. thing has to be true: is that you're <laughs> you're giving them life, but what they do with that life is entirely up to them. Yes, yep. it is. Yes, it is. And he keeps making really bad choices. And Every time I sit down to plot it, he, he makes bad choices, and I'm just like, okay, well, we're just gonna roll with it, so it's fine. And that's you know, some people need to make enough bad choices where they come around to bite them in the ass, and then they're like, oh. And, yeah. you know, there's an authenticity in that, too, because some of us do mm -hmm. the same thing. Right. So being, right. Being a character We're all flawed in the end. Yeah. Right. Yep. And mm -hmm. then, but that's sometimes we've, um, I've come across characters in books where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to like this person. It's not mm -hmm. my job to, to like them or not like them or have them changed because I right. don't like them. It's my job to read them and meet them where they are as the reader right. and say, right. this is their story. And thank you for bringing me along on this journey. Um, right. And it's your job to tell their story. So 
Yeah, sometimes we can be pissed at them and that's okay. And sometimes we can it's let okay. them make their own bed and let them lie in it. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I have to go guys. I've got to okay. get a child. Did Unless you want to just, let's do, let's do 10 let's questions. Do quick. And okay. Then okay. Quick. Yeah. Quick. I got to go too. Julie, go. Okay. Flip-flops or heels? Flip-flops. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beachfront house or mountain cabin? Can I have a lake? Um, mountain cabin has a lake. Uh, yes, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Then, then lake. And beachfront if it's the Pacific Northwest. Picky. <laughs> chocolate chip cookies or oatmeal raisin? Oh, chocolate chip cookies. Oh, thank God. I was going to have to disown you. Rom-com okay, or romantic suspense? Say that one more time. Rom-com or romantic suspense? Romantic suspense. Read the book or watch the movie? Read the book. City or country? Country. Mood reader or plan TBR? Mood reader. Coffee well, or sure. tea? <laughs> tea. Yes. Kindle or paperback? Paperback. Oh, okay. I like it. Amanda, thank you. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> thank See, you so much. Survive. And if you haven't read Meet Me in the Blue yet, if you're watching this, go read it. Read all the things, Amanda. We'll put all the links up. Um, and get the paperbacks and then you're coming back to charm next year. Yes. Yes, I am <laughs> next year, if not sooner. Um, and thank you for being there with us this year. And thank you for being here with us today and everything, all the good things. And I can't wait to read more. <sighs> thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye, -bye. Bye.